I mean, I knew that what I had doesn't happen very often to people. And so um, it's like 50% of the people that have it don't even make it to the hospital. Right. And, you know, that's kind of part of my story. Right. Just being at school and there were so many pieces that if everything hadn't fallen into place, right. Right. I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> so I'm reading your story. Okay, mm-hmm. about the phone calls. And the camp director in me is like, call 911. <laughs> forget Mark, forget the activities director. Call 911. <laughs> This is Ordinary Voices, inviting ordinary people into conversations about life and faith. I'm your host, Eric Elkin. I created this podcast to help me, a pastor, better understand people and the way they view the world. Now I'm inviting you into the conversation so together we might listen to hear the presence of God breathing through the thoughts of ordinary voices. Guests on this show are not authorities. They're simply people willing to share with us the authenticity of their own thoughts. I try to provide guests the freedom to talk and let them determine the direction of the conversation, then reflect upon the things I heard them say. Each show, I ask listeners to listen like a good camp counselor. Good camp counselors allow children to express themselves without judgment. They listen for what the camper is trying to say. People who listen tend to understand each other better, and we live in a world desperate for ears. So let's begin today's show, An Unexpected Journey. Leave and Mark Rosine were friends of mine in college. Well, we didn't hang out socially. However, at our school, we had such a vibrant sense of community, it seemed strange to call them anything but friends. When college ended, our paths went in different directions and we lost touch. Most likely, our lives would have remained hidden from each other had it not been for social media. But thanks to Facebook, 25 years after graduation, Leave and I officially became friends. Leave is a high school English teacher, Mark, a sales rep for a medical equipment firm. They have a beautiful family and a wonderful life. However, on April 8, 2011, this life was interrupted by an unexpected journey into the wilderness. Mark, who avoids social media, went on Facebook to post the news that Leave had suffered a brain hemorrhage at school. She and their family were in desperate need of prayers. Six years later, 30 minutes removed from the time of her stroke, Leave and I met to discuss that day, her recovery, and what she learned from her unexpected journey into the wilderness. Let's meet our guest. The first part of my life, the fact that I'm a pastor's kid, and so we lived in Canada, and we lived in Alaska with a mountain in our backyard, and we lived in... Then we lived in Bemidji for a number of years, where the real Paul Bunyan is, and (laughs) compared to Paul's prophets like Brainerd, (laughs) uh, went to Concordia uh, College in Moorhead, Minnesota, um, where I met you, and also where I sang in the Concordia Choir, and studied, became a teacher, I guess, and then also was able to continue with my love of Norwegian. And um, You but, were heavily involved in the um, Concordia language. Village. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Ten summers at yeah. Skupjorden. Yeah. And uh, that, in fact, is the reason I'm a teacher, because when I started at Concordia, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a history major. Uh, didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I knew I wasn't going to be a teacher because I did not want to be a teacher and be on the other side of the desk. But I was in the Credo program too, Uh um, which was the honors program. And and I loved that. And that was perfect training for an English teacher, Okay, actually, with the different kinds of classes that I took with art history and philosophy and all those wonderful things.
When I was talking with Leave, it struck me how what she says here would be lost on so many people I know. The Norwegian immigrants who settled in Minnesota were highly committed to faith, education, music, and their heritage. They built some of the nation's finest liberal arts colleges, each with a signature choir. Concordia's choir is world famous. It held a higher status on campus than our national championship football team. Being in that choir was a big deal. So was the Concordia language villages. In 1961, a professor at Concordia suggested teaching foreign language using a total immersion experience. So the college created a summer camp to provide campers the ability to live in a simulated culture of the language they were learning. It also provided counselors like Leave the opportunity to live in a culture they loved. Leave is the embodiment of this Norwegian-American culture. She's intelligent, talented, and committed in her faith. It breathes through every aspect of her life, and you will hear it referenced throughout our conversation, especially when telling us the qualities her parents appreciated in a boyfriend. How did you guys meet? <laughs> we <a> met... <laughs> it's a party. Say it's a party. It's it was. <laughs> we met. It was that Hawaiian nerd party. Um, <laughs> Our junior year, you okay. and I were juniors, and Mark was a sophomore, and that was invitation-only party, but it was heavily, there were a lot of choir people, because Jay was in choir right. with me. Right. And so, and I was actually dating somebody else at the time who had graduated and was a choir person. Okay. Um, he, in fact, had been the choir manager and had perfect pitch, and my parents loved him, and you know, but... How's but large pitch? It's a good curveball, but he can't. No, he can't. Nobody <laughs> call his pitch a, a spitball. <laughs> yes. A lot of junk on yeah, it. Yeah, our, our daughter <laughs> could sing, but... No, and that's the thing, is that here I had this... My parents met in choir, and okay. um, so they both have beautiful voices, even today, and choir was... And music was so much a part of their lives, and, and it was so much a part of... Growing up, and I just assumed that I would have kids that could sing. And right. I ended up having three jocks, and you know, <laughs> here I had played one, you as know, I told you, one game of basketball in my life. Mark and Leave have three wonderful children. Their oldest son, Seth, is a major league pitching prospect. Her daughter, Ailey, like her mother, went to Concordia, met her husband at Concordia, but chose to play rugby instead of sing. The youngest, Ben, dreams of baseball, not cantatas. She loves her children deeply, but you can hear that she mourns the absence of singing. It's more than a preference. She grieves the loss of the cultural identity she adores. Leave described the life leading up to her brain hemorrhage as long days and short nights. But upon further review, it wasn't just days, but years. The problem with talented, creative, intelligent type A personalities is they need activity to feed the creativity within. The activity is too stimulating to see the toll it takes on the body. The mind chooses not to listen to the messages the body is sending. A lesson Leave will learn all too well. That week, I had, let's see, the yearbook was due. Uh, we had to get everything turned in on that Saturday, the day after my brain hemorrhage. Um, and so I was up late checking, double-checking, triple-checking. I had something as curriculum lead that I, I had to get ready for this contentious meeting. I also had to get ready for something for the school board that was going to be the following week. Um, it was the end of the quarter, so I was doing grades. I had freshman research papers. I mean, it was just all this stuff. And and so, and when I get really stressed, I get forgetful. I don't sleep well. I get forgetful. I don't always take medication. And I had had high blood pressure ever since I had started teaching at Mounds View 
back in 93. So 94 was the first time I ever was. Were you, did you take medication for your high blood pressure? I did. I took a Tenolol, um, but I didn't always remember to take it. I mean, there was this little voice inside my head saying, you know, you should really go to the doctor today because even the tops of my feet, I could feel like this fluid. I mean, it just... But I was supposed to chair the meeting. I was also... We were talking about formative assessment. It was so much fun, and I just, you know, had the adrenaline flowing and probably the blood pressure going up, but it was so much fun. And then having this really contentious meeting, uh, and uh, I don't even really remember what it what we were so contentious about. But then after that, we were supposed to do get some kind of form on the computer sent off and... I didn't know how to do it. So I was trying to figure out how to do this and just mad that I couldn't do it. And and the phone rang, and it was one of my colleagues. As we were talking, all of a sudden I had this sharp pain in my head. And Janelle kept talking, and I'm having almost like this outer body experience it's like because suddenly my left leg just it it had no I couldn't hold it up anymore it just it's like it's it's my heel slid and and because I wasn't sitting I was sitting kind of like I am right now so kind of off center and so my chair kind of tilted over and I slid off onto the floor and I'm thinking and hmm, on the floor I mean it was just not like this oh my gosh what's happening to me I was really calm mm-hmm. it's like hmm, I'm on the floor and then suddenly my left hand and I'm left-handed my left arm it it just felt like I had totally lost any Bones. I, it just, like I described, it felt like a snake. It just, so my left leg wasn't working, my left arm wasn't working, and I was just kind of breathing heavily. And Janelle then said, Are you okay? And I said, No. I mean, but not dramatic, just, mm-hmm. I was very calm. And she said, Do you want me to call Mark? And I said, Yes, just, and I didn't remember that I actually recited Mark's number. I thought that she had had to get it from somebody else, but she later told me, and, but she called then the secretary, who then called the, kind of the administrator that was there at the time, and one of them called 911. Leave is blessed by some very fortunate experiences. Timing is critical in surviving and recovering from a brain hemorrhage. The school is on break, only a small number of teachers are on campus, and she's not in the same building as the other English teachers. If she had not been on the phone with a colleague, no one would have found her until it was too late to help. Her husband, Mark, who's typically not able to receive phone calls at work, answers and responds. He gets to the school before the ambulance. His presence on the scene will be critical. Had Leave not recited his phone number, this may not have happened. The worries of life, yearbook details, curriculum debates, and grading deadlines seem so insignificant when one is forced into an unexpected wilderness experience.
Mark had convinced them that they didn't have to do a case history and all those things uh, that we just wanted to get going. He he knew that every minute counted, and, and so it was very fortunate that that you know I have a husband that works with cardiologists, and he just knows and understands procedures and can talk the language, you know, whereas other people would have been and could have been intimidated. So right. I just remember them asking which hospital, and I said, Abbott Northwestern, right, Mark? And that's the last thing I remember, other than them asking me about, you know, what I'd had to eat that day. And the answer was nothing other than caffeine. I do know Mark told me that they had to kind of induce like a coma so that I could relax and just something with the brain. They didn't have to perform any kind of surgery. Um, You know, they didn't have to shave my head like Mm -hmm. some people. And um, I just, I just remember the next time I came to, um, Ailey was there and Seth was there. What I do remember at one point was, oh, stressing out about who was going to teach my classes. <laughs> I got to tell you something. I'm, I'm reading that in your little mini memoir, and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> You're sitting there. You're, you can read the stress in your in your writing about that, and there's something really endearing about it. I mean, that you're you're caring about those kids, but sometimes I'm sitting there. You read that, and you go that 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 might have been some of the problems because you were caring for so many other yep. people. That, yeah. Right? No, that's right. just yeah. That's story of my life. Just, mm-hmm. but that was. Um, And that's when Mark just said, it's all taken care of. Leave is the mother, the teacher, the activities director, the church youth choir director, and the confirmation sponsor. She is the one who's always taking care of other people. But now, unable to move, she's forced to receive what she is always given. More importantly, The one who is always on the move cannot move. Leave receives her first lesson in the wilderness. A grateful heart is a joyful heart, no matter what the circumstances. It's a lesson we could all learn. You go from 100 miles an hour to stop. Mm Mm-hmm. And not only a temporary stop, you can't go in that hospital even if you want to. Right. How does that, how does that feel at that moment? When you say that you can't go, I mean, there are a couple different meanings of the word go because you can talk about going like walking and you could talk of going as in like you're all systems go and being able to actually... No. Go and number two to put it as yeah. nicely as I can for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and that was part of the worst is that my my system was had just kind of stopped too, and so I just remember at one point when I I was just totally plugged up and. And just being in the bathroom and saying, you know, I think I just said, oh, God, you know, why is this happening? And, and that's when a wonderful nurse just said, honey, you need to start thinking about the things 
that are getting better and keeping a gratitude journal mm. because because I know right now it doesn't seem like you can do anything, but you're going to be amazed when you look back. Mm. And, I mean, I so needed that because I was just feeling so sorry for myself. And after that, it, it just changed for the most part. And so I began to look for the things that were changing or the things that were good. Another thing that was wonderful is my mom kind of dropped everything and flew from Arizona to... Nice. And she, she had come... Mark was kind of hoping to help take care of Ben because he was only a second grader and school was still going on. But she had come to take care of me. <laughs> and so every day she wanted to be at the hospital with me mm -hmm. and just to see what was going on. And that actually, to me, it was wonderful for a few reasons. Um, probably... The most important, she didn't know it at, at the time, but a couple of years later, she ended up having something similar to, to what I had, only not quite as major as mine. Wow. And her mother had actually died of, of a brain hemorrhage. We learned something about Mark in this section. He can minister to his wife's needs by providing her a sense of normal. By making sure Leave had nice things to wear, he is communicating, you are still beautiful and you are still worth the time. The clothes and the shoes help Leave see, despite everything going on around her, she still has value. We also learned something about Leave. She thrives on structure, community, and friendship. With these three things in place, I believe she could endure anything. Here, she actually finds joy in recovery. It made me think, what are the things we need in our life to find joy? Mark, when he got me the nicest shoes and because I was going to be in rehab, he got me great. I had the I had the best clothes and the best shoes of anybody at Sister Kenny, um, and so I was I was like a I may be wounded there. I may be wounded, yes, but I'm looking good. Exactly, <laughs> I was. I mean, I just you know organizing the idle chatter, right, right. talking to people, and, and I understand later that I was kind of hard to understand because I was you know the left side of my right. face was numb and couldn't really it was it was hard mm -hmm. um <laughs> but i mean it was still i was i was having fun there and my days where people would come expecting me to be in bed and lonely and all these things but i was i had this schedule that was just you know with all with with occupational therapy and I want to take a minute to thank you for listening. Ordinary Voices is a place for people searching for spiritual meaning in daily life. We're invited into the lives of ordinary people like Leave with the thought we might just find some of our own struggles in these stories. Then in reflection upon these voices, we just might discover hope. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. People are hungry for a spiritual conversation and are in desperate need of hope. Go to the website OrdinaryVoices.org, that's OrdinaryVoices.org, to find other shows or to sign up for the daily devotions. This podcast is a listener-supported show, so if you enjoy it, please consider financially supporting it by clicking the Donate button on the website, OrdinaryVoices.org. Thank you again for listening. Now let's return to hear the rest of An Unexpected Journey.
Home is where the heart is. Home is the place where we feel safe, and it's the place where the wounded yearn to return. Leave described her optimism of returning home appropriately in terms of her Norwegian heritage. Sutton Amai, for all non-Norwegians, is Norwegian Independence Day, a day Norway claimed its independence from Sweden. Two small countries with similar languages, cultures, and identities claiming freedom from each other. No battles, no bloodshed, no rockets, red glare, only the signing of a piece of paper. Kind of anticlimactic to the rest of the world, but huge to Norwegians. This optimism, though, will be short-lived when Liv discovers home is a wilderness. So, no, I couldn't wait to get home. And uh, May 17th, sitting in my... Sitting in my... Yeah. Oh, my God. So, and uh, such a fitting day. And because the weather had been so, so cool that spring, the lilacs were just blooming. We have lilacs. So the lilacs greeted me. and But so did the stairs. And so did, and I had, we had practiced stairs a lot and we had practiced walking outside and we had all these different things and, but suddenly I was home. I wasn't in the wheelchair anymore. Thank goodness. And, uh, but when I was around people that were wearing sandals and, um, able to just kind of walk around without having to worry about balance issues and carrying things, um, even walking with you know, a drink, something that is still hard for me to mm-hmm. do. Um, no, it was just all of a sudden realizing, and I fell into the a year ago I was. A year ago I was. Mm. And that was hard. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's kind of revisiting the painful part yeah. of your life. Yeah. You know, and the doctor that I had had was he had great bedside manner. You know, he would come in and and joke with me and laugh and, and it was it was great, but he had told my mother that he didn't think I'd ever be back in the classroom. And she didn't tell me that till later. But when I called him and I was crying and he was almost angry with me. He was, why are you crying now? You were so happy at the, the hospital. And I said, well, when I was in the hospital, everybody was like me or worse. There were people who couldn't talk even years after they still really had trouble and I I could talk um, but all these other things that I couldn't do suddenly took precedence for me I didn't want people staring at me I just wanted them to ignore me and leave me alone I think about Jesus during Lent, um, you know, being in the wilderness, and that was that was the wilderness for me. When Leave says she doesn't want to be seen, I found myself reminiscing about the first time I saw the Concordia Choir. Their robes were immaculately kept. The bottom hems altered to form an even line across the front row. They entered the concert hall by running on stage, stopping abruptly yet evenly and perfectly spaced. Immediately these striking young beautiful faces broke into singing songs that moved the soul. 
the show as much visual as it was audio. It was a place you wanted to be seen. A wilderness, though, is a place where you want to be invisible. And now, Leave is forced to confront the one thing she's never had to really confront. Failure. And that's the thing with the brain injury that I think people need to understand is is when the brain is healing, it, it takes so much time and energy. And I was I was going to physical therapy, occupational therapy three times a week. And for those people who don't know what occupational therapy is, because I always thought that it just meant somebody, people needed help figuring out what kind of a job they were going to have. That's no, I didn't. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And but it was learning how to have a new normal, the kinds of things to to practice getting the the left arm stronger and um, because I was I still had the strength I just didn't have the control and even going there and they they had to have me take these tests these time tests of like putting soup cans on top of something or trying to get a marble inside of this thing and I couldn't I couldn't improve oh man I I'm sorry I hadn't thought about this no it's okay it's okay babe. <laughs> I'm going to have to write these things down after you go so I remember for my memoir. Now listen, uh, I'm going to give you that audio so you can just have that there for you, okay? Oh, that'd be great. All right. So. Um, but I was just failing every test for a teacher to fail. It was like I'd go there and I'd fail and at home I would fail and I couldn't drive, so I couldn't, I couldn't help when summer came, and summer had always been my time of really bonding with the kids, because I had the same, Mm -hmm. same schedule, and so I could, you know, we could go to Bunker Beach at the Wade Pool, and we could go to the Minnesota State Zoo, just everywhere. I couldn't do any of it. I made a decision here which might seem cold to some people, but it was a decision based in pastoral care. In reliving the story, Lee was understandably overcome with tears. I know she's going to listen to this interview, and I don't want her listening to her tears of grief because her story is not one of failure. She is a fighter who has endured collapse and survived, not just survived, but thrived. She is back in her classroom, and she is improving and running the race with endurance. Leave needed to laugh. (laughs) Nothing gets a good laugh better than making fun of Norwegian folk songs. I'm just saying. Full disclosure here, I am a card-carrying member of the Sons of Norway. But the laugh helped me move her to talk about victory, her path to joy, which is the enduring story of her recovery. I mean, it was amazing. I would think back to that nurse when she talked about the, the gratitude journal and just, I would just marvel at all these people that would show up. And when I was in the hospital, my one of our pastors had talked to me about how you know we talk about life in a journal, a journey, but sometimes life is a marathon, and I was just starting a marathon, and and so I had to figure out how to stay 
on this marathon. And so music, there'd be days when I would just have to crank the most positive music or music from Scoopyard and I had made this recording with some people of some Norwegian folk songs and I would listen to those and it's a, it's a very small audience that finds hope in Norwegian folk songs. That's a, I'm just saying that's a limited. Thanks, sir. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just I've served a lot of Norwegian congregations. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Leave discovered a free website called Care Calendar. It is designed to help people like her who are recovering from life-changing events organize volunteer support. Care Calendar provided the structure Leave needed, a structure she could participate in and allowed friends the opportunity to help her. As friends came to help, Leave rediscovered community and friendship and allowed Joy to return to her recovery. The Sister Kinney group, though, provided something different, which she will explain a bond of shared experiences others did not understand. Our conversation reminded me of how often the same truth is repeated in all of my shows. We are never as alone as we think we are when life is difficult. Did you have a moment where you felt like the darkness, you were out of the darkness? There was a program but Sister Kenny was doing where people would actually spend, it was still, I can't, three days a week, but it was all day. It wasn't just, or it was like five hours at a time instead of just coming and doing the, the one appointment. So again, it was this, the social piece. Mm-hmm. And so there were, five women and and then the, the person who ran it was one of the the more outgoing um, occupational therapists and so we would have lunch together we'd walk together to I don't know whatever place where we could get some food and and that was part of the occupational therapy too it was having to pay for the food with our affected hand or whatever right, right. Um, and just just the humor the jokes and the you know that kind of thing and that was that that really helped yeah. um, and really I think when it when it I think I would say that's when it definitely turned and I no longer was thinking about suicide. Um, but when I got to April 8th of 2012, I could say a year ago, I was, you know, so much worse off. gratitude journal which helped change Lee's mindset now provides strength. She is also about to learn the strength of vulnerability. Who knew gratitude and vulnerability could be so life-giving? Well I remember Pastor Jean, she's the same one that had talked about my marathon and talking about the new normal, you know, she's, and baby steps. And some of those things are, can be seen as very cliche Mm -hmm. unless they actually are happening to you. Right. And to me. And so these terms that, that she gave me, um, she also gave me the, you know, the blessing of vulnerability and what a powerful blessing that is that when I was willing to admit these were things how that resonated with so many people I wrote something a few 
lengths about I go about being in the wilderness and talk, you know, kind of used it with my own experience. And there were so many people from our church that mm-hmm. commented on that and people who shared it with other people that they knew. And But there are just so many people that aren't afraid to, to tell me things because I think before they didn't see any chink in my armor. Broken, Lee discovers the freedom to live more authentically. What she now gives to others is the permission to be vulnerable. Her weakness is giving life to others often afraid to share their own struggles. You talked about the difference between how Mark and Ben um, react to you or mm-hmm. interact with you as opposed to Seth and Ailey. Uh, and I don't know if you could talk about sure. that a little bit, you know? So Seth and Ailey, because they were old enough for me, you know, I was always mom, kind of the one who did everything for them and was this this strong individual and suddenly to have me made so you know come close to death and everything that 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 from from then on they've always kind of treated me more like a china doll mm-hmm. you know that it's just they want to be the driver of course i was never a good driver even before so it's <laughs> me it was Benny, on the other hand, because he was only in second grade, it's like he's almost just unfazed by the fact that that this happened to me. You know, that I'm still the mom that goes to his games. I'm still the mom that has to, now once I started driving again, would take him to his friend's house or go pick somebody up or go do whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's still just business as usual. And Mark, in fact, made a comment when I had said, it's going to be six years on Saturday. And he said, you know, I don't even think about that anymore. Days go by and I don't even think about it. <laughs> I thought that's, you know, that's good. You sit there and think about it, though, too, is that they're living with you all the time. Yeah. Where Seth and Ailey are more... That's probably they're, they're it. Out, you know, that they, they're they not as intimately connected to see. Yeah. And, and maybe... And, and I don't I don't know. I'm just guessing. They're just sitting there thinking about it, about how when they come back, maybe they're more reminded of what you're not. Yeah. And and Mark and, and Ben are kind of walking along and see see the improvements and see right. the gains and see yes you know no, that's and, exactly thank and, you uh, Lee found wisdom in a book by Stanford University psychologist Carol Dweck called Mindset. Dweck talks about the difference between two approaches to life: a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset treats our abilities as static givens which we cannot change. A growth mindset sees failure as a springboard for growth and for stretching our existing talents. This helped Leave, the teacher, learn from her own experience and to do what comes natural to her, share that experience with her students. Realized that I had been living a life of fixed mindset until I had my brain hemorrhage hmm. and then I was forced to to work I was told by one of the therapists that unlike you know if you break your arm no matter what you do if you just sit quietly it's going to heal but when you have a brain injury if you just sit 
it's not going to get any better. <laughs> it's all about effort. And the more you work at something, the better you're going to get. And that's totally growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to use that with my students and more importantly, use it with myself and remind myself that if I don't work on this, right. um, or if I worked harder, how much further along would I be? I didn't like to ask for help even right after I had it. I'd rather sit and suffer and not, you know, like if I went to a potluck where you have to hold the food and use the other hand to dish it. Well, I can't do that. Right. So, you know, I can, I can either, you know, hope that my husband's going to be right there, and, or I can just say to somebody. Could you give me some of that? Could you, know, could you help me? Could you carry that for me? Can you, you know, those kinds of things. And people are so happy to help. You know, it's just like I was always happy to help help others. And so, and I've discovered that, especially with baseball, that I'll just ask somebody. I've been... Benny's confirmation teacher and I've got this group of 10 boys. We're using this curriculum. It's just fabulous um, and it really emphasizes grace. And honestly, I don't remember learning about grace um, in confirmation. But this last year and this year, have just really learning about grace and understanding and that idea that that no matter what we do that we can't earn grace and that even if we screw up that doesn't change things was has been really freeing for me you know what if you can't put that little ball in the hole you're still luck yeah right Exactly. Yeah, that's just that's just it, isn't it? Doesn't matter how long it takes or yeah. if it ever happens. Right. As I listened to leave, the story of the Good Samaritan kept playing in my mind. The story is framed around a question: What must I do to inherit eternal life? Prior to her brain hemorrhage, life and faith was about what she could do. Sure, Lee learned saved by grace as a child, but these classic confirmation lessons are still bound by good choices, worship attendance, and giving of your time, talent, and treasures. In our culture, we are comfortable doing. It's the receiving we have difficulty with, especially receiving gifts which are free. In the story, the man chose to walk a road that was dangerous. The Romans placed sentry stations along this road because its wilderness setting made it ideal for robbers and thieves. Did he know how dangerous the road was, or did he feel capable of handling the risk? We don't know. I tend to think he knew the risk and felt capable of handling it because that would be consistent with human nature. The road Leave walked with her health was by her choice. It was a dangerous road. We all tend to think of ourselves as invincible until we're not. Mark, her doctors, and her body tried to tell her the road was dangerous, but she would not listen. She's not alone. I have high blood pressure. I forget to take my medication. My spouse, doctor, and body try to tell me, but I won't listen. Makes me think, what dangerous road are you walking right now? What risk do you feel capable of handling? Like the man on the road, Leave was left half dead. If it were not for good Samaritans, her journey into the wilderness would have resulted in death. However, Jesus ends the lesson with another question. Which of these were a neighbor? The answer is, the one who showed him mercy. We tend to think this means take care of wounded people, even those who are not like you. However, your neighbor in the story is not the wounded man in the ditch, but the one who shows mercy. Your neighbor is the one whom you let help you. This is a whole different thing. Who do you let take care of you? All of a sudden, something Jesus said earlier in Luke comes to life. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... 
leave in her post-brain hemorrhage life said she discovered grace in her son's confirmation class. I wondered if any of us really discover grace until we are left feeling helpless and alone in a wilderness. Grace is that unearned, undeserved, and free gift of God's love. What a blessing. Let's close this out by listening to the Concordia College Choir and Band. That's our show. I want to thank Lee for sharing and invite you to pray for her and her family as she continues to grow in life, faith, and love. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. Go to the website, OrdinaryVoices.org, to find other shows and to sign up for the Daily Depots. This is a listener-supported show. Please consider financially supporting it by clicking the Donate button on the website, OrdinaryVoices.org. Now, on behalf of all Ordinary Voices, Thanks for listening.